Hey everyone, welcome to Highly Grim, where I, Alondra, show you that the scariest stories to tell are real-life stories. Today I'm going to be telling you the story of the killer prophet John Lindley Frazier, born in Ohio on January 26, 1946. When John was young, he dropped out of society because he didn't want to participate in the killing of the planet. He had a pretty normal life for the first 23 years. He dropped out of high school and took on a trade in mechanics. His wife described him as a beautiful person. But in the spring of 1970, he started doing drugs and his marriage had broken up. He even quit his job telling his boss he refused to contribute to the death cycle of the planet. In 1969, his wife noticed John was having delusions. He would leave into the woods with his Bible and not come back for two to three days at a time. But he never was unkind to her and he loved his daughter, so she wasn't sure what to do. In 1970, he took off to the hippie communes. He became very interested in tarot cards and he was very, very paranoid. And his views were pretty extreme and he didn't fit in with the laid back hippies. So soon after, in July of 1970, he officially moved out of his home and moved into a six-foot square shack in the woods. John lived not too far from a home owned by Dr. Victor Oda. While the Oda family was out of the house, John broke in and he stole a pair of binoculars. He considered the Oda family to be too materialistic. Okay, let's take a step back. I want to set the setting for this horrifying real-life story. This is all taking place in Central Coast, California. More specifically, Santa Cruz. And even more specific, since I'm from Santa Cruz County, SoCal. And also, this story takes place in the 1960s, the decade of love, peace, and harmony. And it changed a lot of how conservative Santa Cruz was. It was also the magical revolution, somewhat of a cult revival. It was very liberating, but some people took it too far. An example of that is when the hippie commune led by Charles Manson took the life of eight people in 1969, and that spread a lot of fear through California. And that was in 1969. The story that I'm telling you right now takes place in 1970. So while that trial's going on, here's another story. Further fear, further panic, further discrimination against the hippie community as if they are all the same. Okay, let's get back to the story. A fire is reported. You can see the smoke coming from the hilltop as the firefighters drive to the scene. They go through a winding road and then they see a Rolls Royce blocking the driveway to get to the house. They couldn't get the truck to the house, so they got off the truck and proceeded to walk to the scene. The fire chief then directed the other firefighters to take a hose line up onto the roof. The fire chief climbs up the ladder and turns to tell his son, one of the firefighters that was on the scene, and another firefighter, I want you two to stay up here until I tell you to come down. Steve, his son, the firefighter, said that seemed very strange, so he asked his father why. And the fire chief said, because there are five bodies in the pool. Five bodies 
in the Oda swimming pool. The only two survivors of the Oda family were the two oldest daughters who were away at school. The nuns at the school had to break the news to the girls, who had just lost their family. All five victims were executed and thrown into the pool. Then the home was set on fire. Dr. Oda was shot three times. The two boys were shot once in the head, and the two women were also shot once in the head. The victims to this tragedy should be named, and they are Dr. Victor Oda, 45 years old, his wife, Virginia, 43 years old, their two sons, Derek, 12 years old, and Taggart, I am, hope I say that right, 11 years old, the doctor's secretary, Miss Dorothy Catawalder. I hope I said that right too. I'm so sorry if I didn't. Correct me. Uh, she was 38 years old. Five lives taken way too soon. They were all tied with silk scarves. The police believed it to be more than one killer, but they had very few leads. One clue quickly was discovered. Attached to one of the two cars blocking the driveway was a letter. The note stated that the killings were done by a group of people, the people of the free universe. They declared World War III on anyone who misuses the environment. I'm going to read you guys the full note. Halloween, 1970. Today, World War III will begin, as brought to you by the people of the free universe. From this day forward, anyone or everyone, or a company of persons who misuses the natural environment or destroys same, will suffer the penalty of death by the people of the free universe. I and my comrades, from this day forth, will fight until death or freedom against anyone who does not support natural life on this planet. Materialism must die, or mankind will stop. And it was signed, Knight of Wands, Knight of Cups, Knight of Pentacles, and Knight of Swords. The note sent fear into the community. The fear that another Manson-like cult was striking again, only this time in Santa Cruz County. The sheriff's office thought they were dealing with a big group of people. Dorothy's nephew, Robbie, said he wasn't really associated with firearms, but after this happened, the first thing he did was go out and get himself a weapon. Steve, the firefighter, stated that he used to not lock his doors, but now he does and he started sleeping with a shotgun next to his bed. Doors were locked and guns were loaded. Soon after, another clue came up. One of the Oda's vehicles were stolen. Later, it was found abandoned near a railroad, along with the sighting of three suspicious hippies. Officers rushed to the scene to inspect the vehicle and to see if they can get any more information of who their suspects or suspect can be. The vehicle was still warm, so they thought whoever left the car there was still in the area. They soon started to look for who left the car there. They set up a perimeter around Henry Cowell State Park, a dense redwood forest. Soon after this search, a man named Roger Crone, a hippie from Santa Cruz, came into the police department after reading the note left behind in the Oda murders to express that he felt this was not the doing of a new cult, but of one man, a neighbor of his. The rambling on the note sounded a lot like the rambling of John Lindley Frazier. Apparently, three days before the murders occurred, John was rambling to anyone who would listen to him, and it was a very similar rant to what was on the note. Roger and his friends lived in an 
old farm buildings not far from the Oda's residence. John was a very serious and skeptical person, so they didn't really feel comfortable around him. John thought he was here to save the environment. He felt that people who were abusing the environment should be dealt with. A raid on John's property was quickly organized. John was not there when the police originally arrived to John's shed in the woods. Two officers were directed to stake out the place overnight. And these officers were smart. They set up some little traps. There was a unstable bridge going to the little shed, shack that he was staying in. And they placed a thin branch over it so they knew that if he crossed it, the stick would fall off the bridge and then they set one up at the door so whenever he opened the door it would go inside or flight off of where it was. The next morning the officers make their way to the shed and they notice that their traps have been set off. As soon as they went in they noticed things inside that were not there the day before. They pulled back the sleeping bags and there was John Frazier. One of the officers stuck a shotgun in his face and said, Don't move or I will shoot. John smiled and said, Why don't you give me what I deserve? The officer said, The thought runs through your mind, but that is not his job. John was arrested for five first-degree murders. John was very uncooperative throughout the whole process. This complete piece of shit, human was over here saying that he was chosen by God to restore the earth to its natural state. He wanted to remove all vehicles and buildings. He was going to give every head of the household the option of God's army or death. Jim Jackson, a defense attorney, said that John said he was going to go door to door like the Avon lady and say, ding dong, you're dead, and then laughed about it. John thought the Otis had too much materialistic things. Their house was too big. They had a pool, too many cars. And it's like, dude, they worked for that. It's ridiculous. I, I don't even understand. Honestly, whatever his views were or whatever the heck was going through his mind. No one has the right to take another person's life. And that is my opinion. When John arrived, he found Miss Oda and the youngest son. He found some scarves and he tied both of them up. Then they waited. Next to come was Dorothy, who went to go pick up the oldest son from school. He tied them both up as well. Then finally, Dr. Oda arrived at home, and John tied his hands behind his back. Then he explained to him his mission from God and why he was there. John had Dr. Oda at gunpoint, and he wanted Dr. Oda to help him in burning his house down. Dr. Oda refused and started to call him a drugged-up, stupid hippie, not cooperating with John. So John pushes Dr. Oda into the pool, pushing him down and bringing him back up, trying to convince him to join God's army. After some time, he thought he successfully convinced the doctor, so he reached his hand out to get the doctor. That's when Dr. Oda tried to pull him into the pool, but he failed. 
Then John shot the doctor. Then he went and got Mrs. Oda and executed her. Then Dorothy and executed her. And then he talked about how difficult it was to kill the kids. He said he had an argument with God, questioning why these children have to die. But God insisted they must die. Ugh, that's fucking disgusting. Those poor little boys who did not get to live out their life. All of these people who did not get to live out the rest of their lives because it was cut short by a man who thought he had the right to do something. In October of 1971, John's trial began for the murders of the Oda family and Dorothy Catawalader in San Mateo, California. The evidence against him was overwhelming, but what they were worried about was him found not guilty due to insanity. Roger Crone and his friends testified at the trial. John seemed blank and uninterested. On the first day of his insanity trial, John came in with half of his face and hair shaved off. He would sit in his chair and show the audience one perspective and then turn and show the other side. The media went nuts when they saw him do that. The court made him shave the rest of his head. He said that he would rather be sent to the gas chamber than be sent to a fascist head company. He was judged legally sane and sentenced to death. It was later reduced to life in prison and he hung himself in 2009. That was the story of the Oda murders that happened October 19, 1970, and the story of the killer prophet, John Lindley Frazier. I wanted to wrap up today's story talking a little bit more about the victims. Dr. Victor Oda was a prominent optometrist and had two optometry practices in Gilroy and Santa Cruz. He specialized in cataract surgery. His daughter said he came from a very poor background and did very well for himself, handsome and generous and friendly. A former patient of his describes Dr. Oda as a very nice and gentle man. Dr. Oda's wife was beautiful and very stylish. Her son Derek was a very artistic and darker. The other younger brother was the sweetest, cutest kid in school. Everyone loved him. Dorothy Catawalader Described by her nephew as a wonderful woman, she was beautiful and soft-spoken. The Oda's home was built by them. It was completely built into nature. No trees were cut down to build the home. Dr. Oda liked a natural setting. His windows didn't have curtains because he liked to look out at the nature. That's it for today's story. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next one. Good night.